0: Oh, heavenly King, the Comfort of the Spirit of Truth, Roger, present to fill us all things, treasure your blessings, and give of life. Come to bind us and cleanse us from every impurity, and save our souls, O good one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So, just a few house cleaning things at the beginning here. Because of the announcement I made about an all parish meeting, uh, that means that we're losing the very last uh, day that we have on the calendar. Today is, what is today? It's March 5th, right? Mm -hmm. So we have three classes left. Mm -hmm. I'm sure at some point, about four classes ago, you were like, is this ever ending? (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, Thank you for being guinea pigs. Uh, But today, first, so um, let's see here. I forget which date. Uh, Lynn and I are going to do a class just about, uh, kind of, I'll say, membership mm-hmm. at St. Anne's generally. Just kind of what it means to be a member at St. Anne's. Uh, what this was. Was. Do what? I said that's not what this class was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more of like some practicalities. Like when you're a member, like here's some things that are expected, like giving to the church being plugged in and trying to be active in minish- that kind of stuff, right? A little bit more like specifically here. Uh, Lynn has a great, uh, well, I'll let her. I'm not going to steal her thunder. No, uh, Knowing
1: how to use substack. <laughs>
0: well, we'll see how long we stick with sub- yes. substack, too. Uh, so then the, the last class, I think it'll be the last class. There's two classes after this. One of them will be me just basically going through and talking about confession, being received into the church, that process, uh, maybe even looking at baptism or chrismation and just talking about those things. Some of you have sent on to me uh, your baptismal certificates. Uh, That is something that I need if you're going to be received through chrismation. That's something that I will make that decision. You get to send me the info that you have, and then we figure it out. I also need, especially if I haven't sat down with you a first time, then we definitely need to sit down the first time. I think I've sat down with just about everybody. Uh, And then a second time, uh, just to see where things are at. Um, Of course it is. Joseph, what do you want? I'll be out in a minute. (laughs) So... uh, there is, Lazarus Saturday is the day that we're receiving folks, uh, there might be discernment that I have in talking with you or, or you might not be at the place ready to be received at Lazarus Saturday and that's okay. I've had folks already in the, the classes of catechumens that we've come in and you've noticed folks have hopped on board later in the process. or. Uh, have been around, but they haven't really made that decision, I want to be a catechumen. That kind of stuff. uh, We need uh, to just sit down and be able to talk. So if you haven't scheduled scheduled a time with me for the second time to sit down and talk, uh, shoot me an email and we'll figure out a time to sit down and talk. Uh, If we do decide Lazer Saturday is not the best time, then I would be looking at like Pentecost. uh, And if not Pentecost, maybe something like Dormition or... Um, maybe even exaltation of the cross, this, we're talking about August or September or something like that. I, I really think being able to marinate, and this is something as an encouragement, it, you really need to come to the services or you're not going to understand orthodoxy. You can read a book, you can watch a YouTube video, but it's the actual praxis and being a part uh, and as much as stuff that's going to fly past you, <laughs> I mean... Even as being a, you know, serving as a priest for four years, there's still stuff that is new to me on certain feasts or things or angles or experience, you know, that you don't know until you experience it, right? So uh, you might be like, we had a whole lot of classes, but I really think part of this is just marinating and be able to be intentional about it. Because what I've seen uh, a lot is folks who will kind of <clears throat> get interested in Orthodoxy, like, oh, this is cool, this is great, you know there's so much stuff to do, or, you know, like, it's so neat, or or others are like, this is okay, my significant other is interested in this, and like, okay, I'm kind of here, uh, and sometimes it's guys, sometimes it's, it's the gal, that's fine, it's okay to be in process, but it really helps to marinate, uh, to just be exposed for a while, uh, because the folks that I've seen who, are like, they're here, they're on fire, they're like, three or four months in and then they chrismated and then like three weeks later they're gone because we are like man fasting <laughs> i don't know about that and then they'll just be gone they won't talk to me they won't say anything they just ghost That's something about americans i think <laughs> 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 that we're also like with religion it's like we're like oh i i sucked it dry like a vampire no, i'm not saying this is purposeful it's just <laughs> kind of what we do Like, binge-watching certain things, like, oh, I watched all that, now I'm going to go on to the next thing. So, just part of building in time and putting some boundaries and saying let's walk on this a little bit slowly, that's a good thing for you. Um, I wanted to ask just in general, since we just finished the first week of Lent, what has your experience of Lent been so far? Difficult. Difficult? What has been difficult? Difficult uh keeping in remembrance what uh what to eat and then also like not trying to offend people if they like offer you stuff. I would say if somebody's offering you stuff, Dylan, yeah. just eat it. Yeah. Unless you, yeah. like, I'm, I'm not uh, talking about the guy, like, at, you know, Sonic, who offers you <laughs> 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 I'm talking about when you go, like, what do you want? Well, what do I want? <laughs> I, I mean, like, when you, you know, go to somebody's home. And, like, you're in a situation, you're not living on your own, right? So this is why all of this requires we fast according, not only according to our strength, mm-hmm. but also according to, like, what our living situation is like. Uh, if you're, oh, I hate this term in a mixed family, <laughs> as in, like, Orthodox and not Orthodox, right? Some who are practicing and others who are not practicing, you're going to have to figure out a way to live together, right? Uh, that might mean that you're not fasting in the way that you would desire to fast. And part of you is probably like, hallelujah, and another part of you is like, I really wish I could join that. Sorry, brother, no Right. Well, but you're in the, like, that would be something that we have to, and this is exactly where getting advice, asking a priest, what should I do? And maybe it's like, okay, you can't fast in that way, so how much time do you spend on the internet? This is going to segue. Part of what we're going to be talking about is, uh, Terry's going to lead a discussion of just talking about what the Lenten journey is like, and instead, like, I've been talking about fasting, almsgiving, coming to services, all those are good things. But that's, you can easily kind of make that into this little department compartment. You're like, I do these things. And then you're like, spend eight hours binging Netflix, right? That's not (laughs) the point, right? So you need to get advice or to be able to like, maybe what it is, is that you cut out meat, like you say, grandma, we need to, I need to buy certain things for breakfast and lunch that I will make and I will take care of it. And then I'll eat dinner with you, whatever you make. That's what I've been trying to do. See? So there are ways that you can find, uh, especially, like, you have kids. Like, my kids, we have been steadily upping, Mm -hmm. fasting with them. Even though they were born and baptized as infants, right? They're still getting them used to it. Right now, Mm -hmm. we're on just no meat with them, right? So uh, just... That's what you do, little bit by little bit. It's better to be doing little bit by little bit than full on trying to act like you live in a monastery, because you don't. You never, uh, most of you haven't even been to one, <laughs> right? <laughs> so any other impressions, concerns, questions? Yeah. It's a, uh, like it there's, there's feels like a greater oppression that stops me from wanting to pray as much as it even, as before Lent started to so somehow everything's harder than it was before. What do you think that is? Yeah. So one of the things when I was a catechumen was told to me and I think it's true and I've seen it time and time again there is something about being a catechumen <laughs> that you get an X on your back. There's a target on your back. That there is more just uh, say demonic activity suggestions etc. And on top of that, when you make a decided effort to actually fight against your passions, guess what? You're more aware of what's going on. You're, you're not asleep at the wheel, and you suddenly realize, whoa, this is something that we'll talk about with confession. If you start doing confession, you're like <laughs> doing the excavation work, right? You're like, there's a problem. I can tell there's something wrong with this house, and then you start doing the excavation, you're like there's an entire cave system underneath this house <laughs> <laughs> and I maybe saw some bats every once in a while but like the and it's all interconnected of stuff of the wounds and the ways in which we've tried to deal with those things and it can be very I think this is one way or reason why people walk away That's what I was talking about in the homily uh, you encounter Christ in the depths and you are scared out of your wits about what that mm-hmm. actually means because he calls you and what he calls you to is something pretty radical. It's complete submission to him, not in Islamic way, (laughs) but in a true freedom that is like, and that's why you need somebody beside you to be like, it's okay that you see all of these things and we're going to walk through these things slowly and steadily. They're probably going to be with you for a good portion of your life because that's how our wounds are. We've created all sorts of habits and addictions and things that we go to a lot of the times, like we've been talking about, right? Without even thinking. We're just there. <laughs> so once you start thinking about it and are aware of it and prayerful about it, they start roaring. And then you get a target on your back. So don't also be surprised if you get close to being received and things get a little crazy. And the other. I love it. <laughs> like the evening services are just beautiful um and so i i was probably not very good at praying before so maybe that's what helped but
1: it's just made me more aware and so you're
0: fine you're just right there uh
1: i have prayed more often since flint began than before because it's like every day well we're going to church we're going to church we're going to church and so it's more
0: forefront and i've and it's only a week but i love it (laughs) it's so extreme it it, it is a it, it's definitely true that, that uh, the target is on your back and he, the, the, the devil hates what we're doing in Lent. And and it, he wants to mess it up. And so people will have car accidents, fender benders, um, fights with spouses, things like that. As as, uh, as you get further into Lent, as you get closer to Holy Week. Oh, Holy Week itself is a... <laughs> oh. And, <laughs> it, it, th- things will suddenly blow up at work on something. Um... I had a defendant that decided to skip town and run off,
1: <laughs> and so
0: all during Holy Week, I was—I I heard the church bells ringing outside, and I'm in a magistrate's office as we're writing warrants to try to track the lady's cell phone. <laughs> now, I'm like, I'm not in church because this lady took off, and, and that's Holy Week.
1: <laughs>
0: There's a metaphor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matt. Oh,
0: um, just kind of like everything you guys are talking about about being more aware, but also under attack, like. Last night, I felt um, unreasonably subject to the passion of anger. And um, I was, like, looking forward this morning to coming back to the hospital. I was like, I need to go to church. Like, this is where I'm going to find the healing from it. So it's kind of been this pulling me back in. I I don't know about you, but if if I miss a few services, if I'm sick or something, because otherwise I'm here (laughs) or out of town, right? Like, I feel it after a while. Like, uh, just that... Adrift in a way, and just needing that. That's why a good development this is part of the reason for the catechumen. I hear somewhere in the literature, and I don't mean church literature, but just in general, if you want to start a new habit, how long does it take to start a new habit? Three. Six, six three weeks, weeks. Okay. 30 days, six weeks. We'll just say somewhere in that, like more time <laughs> than you might think. You might think, I have good intentions, and you get Monday, Tuesday, in your belt, and you're about like, I have a new habit. Like No, you don't. <laughs> you're just motivated. <laughs> so, we need these habits instilled in us because so much of our culture and then i'm going to tail off and hand this over to terry uh is jesus in me and that is true but the reality is when it's jesus in you it's almost always you (laughs) (laughs) and a little bit of jesus because it's really easy for jesus just to become what you want him to be He's metaphor- metaphorical like in the air sort of thing at least for me like before because there was no like action like grounding it. right because it's your feelings yeah. at the end of the day so you need to be this is why we have a tradition like here's the practices this is just like a marriage right like marriage is not just like everything is great and I'm in love <laughs> no it's like there's a poopy diaper like Who's going to change it? Well, I did last time. What? It, and then you're like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it needs to be done, right? That Your spiritual life is more like that than it is in that kind of like, Jesus is my boyfriend, or Jesus is my girlfriend, <laughs> You know what I mean. The, 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 our culture, the way that we talk about God, it's like we have some romantic ideal in the sky that isn't actually. Mm-hmm. It's not the one who says "follow me," and we follow him. We just kind of follow what we fancy. Mm-hmm. Any other lasting remarks or impressions? <laughs> it's Keep a these discipline. What? It's like a serious discipline that like it's like it's been good, but also like it's going to sound bad. but It's almost like an inconvenience sometimes because it's like I have to go home before I go to work because I can't like go get food somewhere else, <laughs> like because I have to have the food at home that I have like made up. So it's like. You know, being perfectly honest, there is that inconvenience there. I have to wake up 15 minutes earlier now and do all the prayers. So, but, but these inconveniences are—you're in freedom zone right now. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that. Once you get married and there's kids involved, all freedom is gone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's you again. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with that. What did mom say? I'm going to tell you <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'm
1: here. And that um, and will be Terry Okay, I've been, I have like 20 minutes left. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Terry, I'm going to sit over here in case
1: you want to sit. So, I, I may sit down if, arthri- if I have an arthritis attack. Um, I'm going to talk about two words that are very familiar to you. Pretty much just from American evangelical Protestant air you breathe. Except the second word is Lent, and I'm going to argue that we need to look at what you probably have thought about that word before you started visiting St. Anne, and where that came from, briefly. Let me start off in an unusual place. Believe it or not, I used to teach, briefly, three years, in a major Protestant seminary. I taught media and apologetics at Denver Theological Seminary, which was a uh, evangelical Baptist Heritage Seminary, and the president who brought me in to teach um, was, Billy Graham called him the greatest teacher of preaching in all of the English world. So He was a very prophetic and wonderful man, the late Haddon Robinson. And the whole idea of me being there, which the faculty ultimately rejected, but that's a long story, was that we live in a culture where mass media is the air you breathe. There is an old Chinese proverb that if you ask a fish to write about the story of his life, he will not mention water, because the subject is too big for the fish to see. Water is everything. I argue that in the culture we live in today, mass media, screen culture, is now the air we breathe that defines our humor, it defines our stories, it defines a lot of our schedules, defines a lot of our temptations. So I I was teaching a class on ministry in the age of mass media. This is right before the birth of the internet. We knew it was coming, but it was not there yet. Try to imagine that. Television was the big issue then. 60 channels of cable was the big issue then. So anyway, in teaching this class one day, very early in the semester, I wrote up on the board a list of the major forms of mass media, television, film, popular music, newspapers, books, you know. I just had this whole radio, had this whole advertising, which is really its own form of media, the one we always forget about. But anyway, I had all these things up on the board, and I was talking about why they are the air we breathe. and. At one point, I stopped and said, does anybody have any questions? And I'm speaking to an audience of primarily evangelical men who are preparing for ministry. These are MDivs, future pastors. And down in the front row, there's a guy who was, frankly, he was ticked off. And and basically what he said is, why are we talking about this? I didn't come to seminary to talk about movies and television and all of that stuff. You know why are we even discussing this? This says has nothing to do with seminary. So I walked over and said, "Okay." I I, I sat kind of across from him in the front row. Why are you here? What motivates you going into ministry? And he said, "Discipleship." I went, "Okay." Pretend I don't speak fluent evangelical. What does discipleship mean? And that's our first big word, by the way, for this lecture. He said, well, I want my ministry to actually affect people's lives. Instead of just you know standing in a pulpit and preaching, I, I, I'd like it to affect how people think about their family and their work and their money and their, you know, their jobs. I want, I'd like the faith to actually impact the stuff of their life. I like to refer this the separation of church and life, instead <laughs> of church and state. And so I said he was doing a really good job. Evangelicals tend to be very literate on these sorts of things. And, and future pastors are often very charismatic and articulate. So when he was done with his speech, I turned and pointed at the board: television, radio, popular music, advertising, all this. I went, now these guys up here, they don't have anything to do with how your people live their lives, right? They don't have anything to do with the basic stuff of the calendar and the day and the clock and whatever. And on the spur of the moment, I improvised something. In mass media theory, we often talk about questions. You ask the questions and the answers give you the content of the theory. So without realizing what I was doing, and I analyzed this later with Dr. Haddon Robinson, I created a mass media-era definition of discipleship, and it was three questions. And I'd like you to remember these three questions for the rest of Lent. How do you spend your time, how do you spend your money, and how do you make your decisions? How do you spend your time, how do you spend your money, and how do you make your decisions? Now there is more to discipleship than that, but there is never less, because you're trying to fit discipleship into the clock. Your wallet, your job, your budget, whatever, and that third factor, how do you make your decisions? Friends, we live in a culture that has more to do with entertainment these days than it does newspapers and linear information. It has more to do with flashing images on little screens in our pockets and stuff. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? And how do you make your decisions? At that time, in the early 90s, I was arguing, if you can face your people in ministry without facing those three questions, you have a promising future in ministry of the Amish. (laughs) Oh, and everybody laughs. The next week, the next week, I read an article about how the Amish were struggling with heroin addiction mm. among their teenagers and the formation of Amish heavy metal bands. <laughs> During the wilding years, and do you run your kids out of the Amish. Folks, the Amish have to deal <laughs> with MTV. MTV's gone. It's been eaten alive by TikTok and Instagram, And right? If MTV exists, it exists on YouTube now in the videos that chase you around once you clicked on two of them right mm-hmm. how do you spend your time how do you spend your money and how do you make your decisions that's going to open up some doors for thinking about Lent we'll get to those third the second thing though is the word Lent itself which you the way you're used to hearing it okay so if you're an American the word Lent always comes at the end of a sentence that goes something like this. What are you giving up for Lent? Now, a number of years ago, I got curious. Where did that come from? You know, because the New York Times is running stories about what are people giving up for Lent. Christianity Today does its annual survey of what people gave up for Lent this year. You know, and What was the one thing you gave up for Lent? Was it alcohol? Was it cigarettes? Was it the internet? Was it, right? That formula exists nowhere in Christian tradition. I went hunting for the beginning of the what did you give up for Lent? Myth. M-Y-T-H. And I ended up at the Catholic Information Center in downtown Washington, D.C., were an elderly priest who Barrett had helped me on some early, earlier subjects. And I started asking, I said, tell me, what is in Catholic canon law about Lent? What is the, What are the Catholics supposed to be doing? They used to give up meat. Well, okay, a long time ago they did the exact same fast as the Orthodox. You can see references to that in some movies and little hints of it in Shakespeare even and stuff like that. Once upon a time Lent existed, and then you had giving up meat per Lent, and then you had giving up not quite as much meat before as Lent, and then comes Vatican II, and the concept of Vatican II, as I understood it, was basically, we don't want any of this negative legalism. We want our people to do something positive at Lent. So, instead of thinking you should follow the following Lenten fasting rules, etc., etc., Let's take on something new. Let's volunteer a week at a soup kitchen, or let's read a good book. You know, so they, they came up with this. So the, and, then, and then the priest said something that I latched on to. He said, even back in the old days, what we used to do with children in our schools was say, well, you can't do the whole Lenten fast, so why don't you give up one thing for Lent? And when Vatican II hit, you had an entire generation of of Catholic adults that all they knew was give up one thing for Lent, because that's what they were told when they were children. And overnight, it turned into what, if you asked most Americans, what is Lent? Oh, you're supposed to give up one thing for Lent. Folks, that is like the most American thing that ever happened in the history of the planet. (laughs) Oh, let's see what do I You know, oh I'll give up uh, Coca-Cola and I'll drink Pepsi you know, or I'll, you know or I'll you know I'll give up well you get people trying to give up cigarettes or whatever but this whole one thing for Lent notice how easy the one thing for Lent is to fit into how do you spend your time how do you spend your money how do you make your decisions it probably doesn't impact that stuff at all or if it does, it's just like, just a little. The Catholic priest, by the way, <laughs> he said, why, why are you asking all these questions? Where, where are all these questions coming from? Well, I'm a, You know me, I'm a newspaper reporter. I'm writing a column about this. And, and he says, yeah, but where are you coming at this in terms of the, the church history questions? I went, oh, well, I am Orthodox. And he cracked up laughing. slap the table oh you're in a church that still does Lent (laughs) that's why you're confused about where Catholics are post-Vatican II you're in a church that still think Lent exists yeah we are and if you look at orthodoxy and what orthodoxy is actually trying to do with you in Lent It's going to affect how you spend your time, how you spend your money, and how you make your decisions. It's going to show up in the calendar, isn't it? It's going to show up in the clock. You do it right, and it shows up some in your wallet. So I'd like to give you a couple of guides to thinking about Lent for either the first or second time depending on how long you've been coming to these or thinking about Orthodoxy or reading on the Internet about Orthodoxy or whatever. We can get to tofu and the other magical stuff later. <laughs> but first of all, I'd like you to think first about your worship schedule. Now, I gave a version of this talk to a bunch of single guys at Double Dogs a couple of weeks ago because that's who showed up. And it's, this, really, this talk is more geared toward families, to be perfectly honest with you. It's going to affect your worship schedules you're probably not going to be able to do it all but I would like you to consider making one significant change in your actual home during Lent now if you know the depressing statistics you know that American families rarely eat meals together now if you do you're off to a great start in how do you spend your time, how do you spend your money, and how do you make your decisions. I'd like you to consider thinking that once a week, minimum, if you can get it more than that, that's great. We're going to do a different kind of meal. We're all going to sit down and we're going to talk about what are we reading for Lent. Yes, the big word, reading. I think reading for Lent is tremendously important. Something that makes you go over and sit in a chair and focus your mind on something that you're going to find is directly related to Lent. Every year during Lent, I reread C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce. It's basically a series of parables that C.S. Lewis's version of Dante. And you will meet yourself multiple times in that book. And you will meet your temptations. And you will meet your angers. And as Father just put it, you'll meet the stuff in the caves under your house. The most stunning... Has anybody here read The Great Divorce? Okay, lots lot
0: I'm a passionate C.S. Lewis. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the
1: whole point of the book is that you're, you start off in hell. And hell is a gray city where you can get whatever you want. Mm-hmm. How does that sound? But it's a, but because everybody gets what they want, that puts them in constant conflict with their neighbors. Well, anyway, every day a bus goes to heaven. And you're welcome to get on the bus and go. And go to heaven. And you, people come down to try to convince you to stay in heaven. And talk to you. And it's why every person except one gets on the bus and goes back to hell. Because they still have to consider giving up whatever it was that put them in the gray city in the first place. And some of them are agonizing. The the most famous chapter is the mother who goes to heaven to get her child who died because she can't forgive God for taking her child. She wants to go get her child and take her child back to hell where they can be together because a mother's love is the greatest thing in the world at which point C.S. Lewis has to have you contemplate well what if you turn it into an idol and that's the famous thing from Lewis the higher the angel the lower the demon if it falls the higher the good the stronger the negative force in your life if it becomes what's between you and God pick some reading. I just finished the first of my books for Lenten reading this year, last night. And all I can say is it's going to come up in confession. <laughs> it's been a long time since I read C.S. Lewis's Till We Have Faces. And it turns out Till We Have Faces is just an entire novel that's another vignette from the Great of course. All of the same spiritual issues are there. What are my complaints? Why am I mad at God? What is between me and God? What do I have to give up to be able to even talk about God? What else can <laughs> you read? Last year, I read all four Gospels back to back. Instead of being like a good Southern Baptist preacher's kid and reading them like two verses at a time for five hours, I just read them. And it's amazing when you, when you read an entire Gospel in like three days, it's amazing how much it turns into a story and a book. And kind of like you sit like, oh, that comes after that. (laughs) Now, folks, Holy Week is coming. And in Holy Week, you're going to just be immersed in the story. Or the end of the story. So if you could read one gospel, if you could take on all four, that's a load to get, get it done during Lent. There are lots of other Lenten books. Father Daniel can give you a lot. Frank Dale can give you some. I've got some. I've already given you a couple already. Last year I read, I am a C.S. Lewis fan. There's a C.S. Lewis Lenten readings book. It's on Amazon. You can find it for like six bucks. And it's a daily reading. It was really, was really good. I enjoyed it last year. But do you see how this is gonna affect your time? And if you do some of this reading it out loud, well, what can I read out loud with my children? Well, I'd like to suggest a book. It's a pretty expensive book, even in paperback, but it's called Everyday Saints. Mm -hmm. Everyday Saints is the story of the only monastery in Russia that didn't fall during the Soviet era, and the stories of the men living in the monastery. And it's written by a man who's now a bishop in Moscow, but he before he became a monk before he became a christian he was a screenwriter a movie screenwriter he can tell a story and friends of mine who read russian say the translation is fantastic it shut you just can't stop reading it now some of the chapters are too long to read to children but there are lots of appropriate short stories in the book that would make great dinner reading as a family I can say that because at our church in Baltimore, Holy Cross Orthodox Church, we had people reading out loud during the Lenten suppers on Wednesday night from this book. And basically, the children from about nine and above hung in there and liked it. They could identify with these stories. Um, this book is easily available online. You know, Amazon can get it to you in a couple of days. Bishop <laughs> Tikhan is his name but I think think half the bishops in Russia are named. (laughs) (laughs) But but the the name of the book is Everyday Saints. We're glad to help point you toward that. What are you going to do with media? I'd like you to consider thinking about it. Some brave Catholic kids in Colorado a number of years ago after three of their best friends were bullied into suicide, came up with the idea of taking the big three apps off their phone for Lent. And the big ones now are Instagram, TikTok, and probably Facebook, or there maybe there's something else hipper. Facebook Discord. is now an adult thing, right? I think, I think Discord is pretty
0: popular, yeah. too. I don't yeah. know if there's an app for that. But,
1: but. take the big three apps apps off the phone you're probably not gonna be able to live your life without your phone but here's another one put the phone away after 9 p.m. have one parent who has to be on emergency call that has the phone muted and can take calls from family or whatever put the phones plug them in in your kitchen and go to bed with the phones in a different room. This is a great thing for a rule for your family, building this up. One more thing. You're giving. Well, obviously, St. Anne's has a lot of needs right now. But pick one outside the church, too. My favorite is Second Harvest. We have, in our area, an absolutely exceptional food bank. I think they have like a 99 percentile of giving goes to the actual product, because they have people who donate the money to pay the bills. And they have restaurants and grocery stores and places that help. It's a very good ecumenical food bank. You can look it up very easily. I'd suggest you look at it. And like, say, maybe you're going to just give them some small amount of money all the way through Lent and maybe visit them once. Maybe pack your kids up and go visit it. Fry and I used to go every once in a while to a homeless program in downtown Baltimore, and there are still things that happen to us while doing that, like every other month, that come up in regular conversation from time to time. Make a symbolic gesture of that. Of course, Father, has mentioned that your confession is crucial during this season. In Orthodoxy, and by the way, still in Catholicism, it's canon law, you're supposed to go to confession during Lent. You're not supposed to receive communion on Pascha, Easter, if you haven't been to confession. Approximately 5% of American Catholics go to confession. Ever. It's all but gone. Don't let it be gone for you. I know it kind of looms ahead like an obstacle. An all-life confession. How in the world do you do that? Well, it's going to take up some of your time. And you're going to have to sit down and kind of think about it. You're going to have to think about the stuff under the house or whatever. You can't tell the priest everything, so don't think you can. But you're going to find out what the key issues are if you really pray about it and think about it. I have one more suggestion. I'm watching the clock. Walking. What does walking have to do with anything? My brother-in-law is a professional marriage counselor, um, a PhD in psychology, and religion. Um, was a pastor for many years, Baptist pastor. He will not take a couple on as a client for ma- marriage counseling if they don't agree to walk together every day for at least 30 minutes. What he finds out is what they end up talking about ends up doing about 90% of his work for it. <laughs> <laughs> and it he said it's amazing the number of people, well, this is before this generation, married people they met in college. And then what happened in college back in the old days was you walked around a lot. And you were at the stage of life where you could be with your friends without having to, like have a meeting of congress to get it all worked out in your schedule planners. <laughs> <laughs> walk. I also find walking to be a good time to pray. My brain uh, obviously not that's not my evening walk with Deborah. Deborah and I walk together every day unless the weather just goes haywire. That's a little easier when you're retired. But <laughs> yeah. It it can happen. Go Make a goal of three times a week. But if you're walking by yourself, it's a great time to pray. And I have another story I could tell you all about that sometime because basically my prayer life was changed by walking to work one day on Capitol Hill in Washington, passing a young man on the sidewalk, dressed as an intern, walking to Capitol Hill, drenched in a pouring rain without an umbrella, crying. And God just basically said, pray for him, and I started praying, and I suddenly realized I have a 1.2 mile walk from the train to my office every morning, and I developed a 30 minute prayer litany that is still in my life today out of the experience of that walk. I know several other people, uh, one of our grandchildren, (coughs) uh, Peyton Cardin, has a walk built into his day as a grad student at UT. And I'm challenging him this land So like, okay, there's your time God's already Carved it in your calendar Use it Put something in your Mind besides just the first thing that jumps in there So Two minutes Are there any questions At this point I hope the lack of questions is because you're thinking. It's okay. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? And how do you make your decisions? And it's not about one thing. Orthodoxy wants to know a lot of things. And you're talking about that in other classes. We could have an, I keep telling them that we need an annual Lenten event on cooking. <laughs> we need to invite everybody in and have everybody pass note cards with like one recipe we used to do that at our church in Baltimore that's where Deborah's magic tofu pie came from You watch the kids fighting over it. <laughs> no questions it's
0: also clear what yeah. it's also like clear and practical
1: well. articulate mm-hmm. and was, well professors <laughs> get like that a little bit <laughs> so it's a, there's just negative sides to it as well but I'm used to I've had my first speaking engagement since COVID next, this coming week. I'm speaking at a conference in Washington, and I'm freaked out about it. It <laughs> used to be something I did every three weeks, two or three weeks. But I'm going to be speaking at the National, the National Museum of the Bible, at a conference on media bias in the Catholic Church.
0: Hmm.
1: Ross Douthat is on one of the panels in oh, the New York yeah. Times, and, and it's going to be a, be a good inter- interesting thing. Well, thank y'all. I uh, will see y'all. I'm going to be gone the next two weeks. Uh, Deborah and I—I'm well, going to Washington. Deborah's going to end up picking me up in Nashville, and we're off to see grandkids in Wichita, Kansas, for a week. So Deborah and I will miss the next two weeks, but I'll be back. So save your questions, or even better, talk to Father Daniel about. Thank, well, let's, thank uh, you. Let's close with a prayer. Okay. Thank you.
0: It is truly meet to bless the focus the who were blessed and was